Today really is a really special occasion. Um, Steph, can you stand up, please? <laughs> Steph is my assistant. She's amazing. She does loads of good work. Come on, Steph. The, she's amazing. It's her birthday today. Now, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Please stay standing. Now, over the no, please. Now, over the course of the week, she's not asking me to do this. But in so many ways, I know that she wants to be made the center of attention tonight. So I think we should give, because Steph's a bit of an introvert, I'm a bit of an extrovert. I understand that. I think we should give Steph a really proper introvert happy birthday. So just stare at her now. And in your mind, wish her happy birthday, but don't use your words. Just think, happy birthday in your mind. Happy birthday. Yeah. I knew you'd like that. See? Introverts. So, now, Steph, because it's her birthday, she's going to get, hopefully, some great gifts, yeah? Um, but I have to, a confession to make tonight, and it really is a proper confession. I have a sticky past when it comes to gifts. I am not great with gifts, either birthday gifts or Christmas gifts, okay? So here's my confession. Now, I've been married almost eight years. And I got married in November. So two months into my married life was Christmas. I actually saw on the computer that my new wife was still logged into Amazon, and I checked her search history so I could find out what I got given as a gift. I know, it was horrible. And then I felt really guilty that I had looked up and found out what my gifts were. So I went to her, and I was like, new wife, listen, I'm so sorry, I know exactly what you've bought, what you've bought for me. And you could see her in her eyes. And really in her words as well, that she was not okay with that. So I felt inside, I've made a mistake here. And really, I should have learned a valuable lesson then. However, next year, she had changed her Amazon account password. Rightfully so. But she had not changed her um, Hotmail account password. I logged on to her Hotmail knowing that Amazon sends gift confirmation emails so that I could, the second year in a row, find out what she had given me. Now, I would say that the first year it was clear that she did not like that I did this. The second time I did this, really clear that she did not like this. It, it was so clear that she was unhappy with me that I've never done it again. I thought, this is it. This is, I'm never doing this again. And I never looked, I've not in any way kind of gone across, you know, stopped the process of gift giving. But the thing is, is I really don't like gifts for this reason. I like just receiving a gift when it's just, you know, oh, thank you. I didn't expect that gift. But the waiting for the gift is painful. Even so much that when I give someone a gift, I hate the waiting. And I know what is inside the gift. I hate it. And I will I will give gifts to Pippa, and I will make her open her Christmas gifts early, just so I can see how happy she is. Yeah? So in, we'll take a second now, and what I want to do is talk to the people around you and talk about the worst Christmas, or the worst gift, full stop, you've ever received. The worst gift you've ever received. Just talk to people around you. Bring it back in now. Okay. So who thinks they've received the worst gift here ever? Raise your hand. Shout it out. What is a really horrible gift? Your grandma gave you a book on the Holocaust. That's informative. Yeah? Anyone else got a gift that they think this is horrible? 
bathroom scale. Tell me that was not a husband gift. It was a husband gift. How are you still married? That is absolutely horrible. Anyone can beat that? Okay. A men's shaving kit? Oh, thanks. Did you, did you receive this from someone that knew you? From your... That's pretty, that's pretty good actually. Pretty funny, yeah? Okay. Yeah, so there's loads of gifts out there. And now, we're gonna look tonight at, we're gonna look at the Ten Commandments. And what we're gonna be looking at is the second part of the Ten Commandments, okay? Now, people love to talk about the Ten Commandments, okay? And they love to say, some people out there will say that the Ten Commandments is the worst gift. They'll say that there are just a, a system of rules by which God wants to beat you about the head and ruin all your fun, and they are the worst. There's nothing good about the Ten Commandments. There's God's way of ruining our fun. But I think that that is completely missing the point. I think that these Ten Commandments are really about two things, two important things. I think they're about, firstly, how they are God's plan for our success, and the second is that they are pillars for our relationships. And so we're going to take a second and we're going to look at these two things. Firstly, how are they God's plan for our success? And secondly, how are they are pillars for our relationships. Okay? So we've got some gifts coming here. These are our two big gifts. Nice wrapping job, guys. I like it. So, first gift. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll put it over here. First gift right here. They are God's plan for success. We'll put it right here. And the second one is pillars for successful relationships. There's nothing in there. I'm not going to unwrap it. Don't worry. I know. You feel the tension. So let's talk about first about how they are God's plan for our success. The Ten Commandments. Now, I have a two-year-old. Well, I have almost three-year-old. His name is Will. When he was just turning two, I found myself in a park and having a conversation with him. And as a father of a two-year-old, it was a conversation that I had never expected to say. And it went something like this. Will, you cannot eat cat poo. You can't do it. You can't do it. And I was having to hold him back. And I was having to say, no, you can't eat cat poo. That's cat poo. And he was bawling, and he was like yearning for it. And he was like, Daddy, I eat cat poo. I eat cat poo. And I was like, no. I really had to stick to my guns on it, on this one, for this reason. I couldn't just let him do this, yeah? I had to create boundaries for Will in that situation. Because I know that if he starts chomping on cat poo, life will actually be pretty horrible for him. Yeah? Now, in his mind, eating cat poo is great. But in reality, he'll be eating cat poo. It's not good. So I, as the dad who knew more about this than Will, had to set healthy parameters actually for him to enjoy his life better. He just didn't see it that way. In the same way, God gives us these, the Israelites, these Ten Commandments. Not because he wants to control them or stop their fun, but because he loves them. And because he loves them, he has given them rules on how to live that will help them flourish. That's the goal of these Ten Commandments. So two ways that these really we can see God's love and how God has given us these rules to help us flourish. 
The first is that he is showing them how to live free. Now we know that not that long ago, these Israelites were in slavery. That they were told what to do, they were told what to believe, they were told where to go. My guess is they weren't given great education. They weren't shown, you know, how to do life on their own. They were told everything they should do. Now imagine these people being taken out of slavery. And they are slaves. Everything about them is slaves. And God does a series of amazing miracles to walk them from slavery into freedom. What the Ten Commandments do now are they are teaching these Israelites how to live. Now imagine if you were a slave and you had nothing and you had no uh, education, you had no resources, you had no proper clothing, you had no food, you had nothing. And someone came along and said... I have freed you. And you think, amazing. And they take you out of wherever you're a slave, and they take you down the road, and then they turn to you, and they say, now you're free. Go for it. And they walk away. You think, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to live. How am I going to be a free person? How am I going to have an identity? How am I going to have a plan for my life? So what God is doing here is he is not just leaving them in the desert, but God is giving him them commandments and a way to live so that he can train them and show them the right way to go. And this is part of him developing an identity of his people. The first commandments show them how much how it is to treat and honor God. And the next, last six that we're talking about today show them how to honor each other. He's giving them this framework. You honor me and you honor each other. This is what he's teaching them. Now this like seems like this Old Testament thing, like it's a long ways away, but really, let's be honest, the New Testament's a bit more interesting. That's what we read, because it's shorter, it's in the back of the book. Ecclesiastes is a bit heavy, you know. But even in the New Testament, people went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, tell us, what is the meaning of life? What is the core thing? What is it all about? And he said this in twenty-two, thirty, in uh, Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. They said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the Ten Commandments brought into the New Testament. Jesus is saying, you want to know how to live? You want to know the purpose for your life? It is love God with everything and then love each other. That's the Ten Commandments. That is God's structure for our living. So that's the first thing is that these Ten Commandments, the six that we're looking at, they are God's way of giving us training on how to live free. The second is this, is that it helps people avoid pain. Now, people are always saying, if God is so loving, then why is there pain in this world? Now, there is a lot to say on this subject. But one thing that these commandments do is give us God's plan for not hurting one another. When we break God's plan, when we break God's plans for us, we hurt one another. Now, this should be pretty easy for the Israelites to get. Let me give you kind of a conversation. This is how it would go. Hey, Aaron, that's a really nice dog. Thanks, Moses. Aaron, where'd you get that dog? Nowhere. Mind your own business. Did you steal that, did you steal that dog from the Amalekites, Aaron? 
Maybe. And how do you think the Amalekites feel about that? Not good. Did you think about them when you stole? Yeah, I'm sorry. This is, that was supposed to be funnier than it really, in my mind, that worked out so well and I realized halfway through that it wasn't as funny in reality. Um, <laughs> stealing, not great. Okay, we get it. Okay, let's just move on. But also, when it, it causes pain between people, okay, that was the idea there. When we break God's commandments, like when we steal, we cause pain between each other. But we also cause pain between us and God. When the commandments are broken, we are in effect saying, we are God. We know it's best. And what that does is it dislodges us from our creator. It dislodges us from God. And there is a gap there. And when that law is broken, we separate ourselves, and we disconnect ourselves, and we feel guilt, and we feel shame. And this pain sits on people. It sits on us until we come back to God and live according to his plan. So it's simple. These commandments, when we break them, they they hurt each other, but they also hurt us and God. So the law is God's way of saying, I have a plan for my people. One where I teach them how to live, a plan that if obeyed, will help them out of pain that could have been avoided. God gives the law like a mentor in order to help his people because he loves them. So the first thing we notice about this gift of his commandments is that it shows God's plan of success for his people. The plan that gives that he's given because God loves them and wants them to flourish. So let's now look at the second part of the gifts. How the last six commandments are the pillars of relationship. Now, pillars, if you look around here, we've got these pillars, right? Pillars do all the work. They're holding up everything. They are the structural integrity of the building. Without these pillars, we take these pillars away, everything collapses. We can't have a building without these pillars. Yeah? They're all around us. And what these commandments are, they're like pillars. They're like the things that hold everything else together relationally. These six commandments we're going to look at real briefly. They're the things that show us how to love one another and have that deep structure and they're also the way that we can see how God cares about the way we treat each other. So let's take a look at these six commandments, the second six, and see how they really are like pillars in a structure. So the first one is this. Honor your father and mother. Now, that might seem old and it might seem archaic, might seem not that great. But the truth is, is that within a family... As children grow up with a code of honor inside of them, in their hearts, they will treat others with honor honor outside of the family. In fact, when they have their own kids, they will honor them. A lot of pain comes from the brokenness within families. But when a family does honor one, one another, and when there's a history of honor, it is a powerhouse of love and nurturing. A place to love and care for one another. The first pillar is family. God really, really cares about family. That's the first commandment that we're looking at. The sixth commandment, the second one that we're looking at is, you shall not murder. You know, this might seem obvious, but actually, if you look at our lives today, there's murder all around us. 
In the Garden of Eden, God took and he created man and woman. And he formed us in his image. He breathed life into us. Life comes from God. It is his, it is his to take and it is his to give. Killing distorts us as we take on a false role of creator. And kill the creation. When we respect life as holy and sacred, we make decisions to care for it rather than destroy it. The second pillar is the special gift of life. God cares about life. The next one we want to look at is you shall not commit adultery. What a beautiful bond a relationship is when it's formed. When couples respect and love one another, adultery breaks those bonds. It causes deep, deep wounding in that place of relationship. You see, God in within marriage, he, he invites us to serve one another. In relationships, even if you're dating or committed to someone, he invites us to serve and care for one another. But as we seek to care and get things out of a relationship and see what it can do for us, we begin to get competitive and look at all the things that that person doesn't live up to. And it sows seeds within us and we go out and we look for love elsewhere. And when we do that, it leaves nothing but a... uh, wake of pain and grief. It breaks down and they never get enough so they look elsewhere. And that pain is so strong. The third pillar is marriage. God deeply cares about marriage. Three more? Can we keep going through this? Yeah? The next one is you shall not steal. Part of existing in a community alongside one another is to respect each other. Respect what, mutual respect what we have. When that respect is broken, stealing happens, it all breaks down. The community is no longer safe. When I was first married, that first, um, six months of marriage, we got broken into. This is our first little flat. I think we came back from a party and it was when they were still there in the house because they took hardly anything, at least nothing of value. But we knew we had been broken into and we saw things. And I kind of played it cool, like, it's okay, let's just sort this out. We'll call the cops and we'll get everything done. And it was fine. But about three days later, I was in a store and I saw a baseball bat and I thought, I'm going to buy this baseball bat because we've been broken into and what if they come back? I don't know why they would have, because we were newly married, we really had nothing of value. But I thought, what if? I've got to protect my wife. So I bought this baseball bat and I put it by the side of my bed. And as the week went on, um, I came to bed one night and I was getting ready for bed and I was wearing jeans and I took off my shirt and my socks and my shoes. And then I saw that baseball bat there and I picked it up and I was holding it and I started thinking about the people that broke into my house. And I thought, what would I have done if I was there? And I was kind of pacing around my bedroom. And I was like, I would, maybe I'd have to protect my wife. I was getting, and all this anger started coming out of me. All this, this rage that they would have come into my house. I thought, what if I would have, maybe I'd have to break their legs or I'd have to hit them. How would I hit a robber? And I started like, you know, kind of acting it out, not even realizing what I was doing until out of the darkness, I heard Pippa say, what are you doing? (laughs) She had woken up from a dead sleep and seen me shirtless swinging a bat. And as a newly married couple, I think she just freaked out a bit. And I was like, nothing, just figuring out how to protect you. She was like, what? She went back to bed. But for me, that idea of stealing, it broke down that safety. 
And it was painful. It was horrible. It broke down community. So that fourth pillar is community. God really cares about community. The next thing is you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. When we lie about those around us, we pervert the truth. When the truth is twisted, a choice is made to get what we want at any cost. The selfish greed may lead to short gain, but it destroys all credibility. And it darkens the heart as truth becomes relative to our needs. But when there is honesty and truth represented, then healing can take place in a community. The fifth pillar is honesty. God really cares about honesty. The last of these, the sixth commandment, is the only one that we can't tangibly see. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. However, this is the core motivator for breaking all the other ones. When we live for what we, when we live for what others have, we devalue our own lives. We become desperate for what we cannot have. We become competitive, angry, selfish, depressed, and greedy. But when we put aside our lust for other things, our heart can come to rest. We realize that what others have is no way to measure ourselves. Rather than compete with others, when we put our, those things aside, we can have a heart at rest for who we are and for what we have. And it actually provides a space for us to love those around us. It gives us a peace within our heart when we stop looking and measuring ourselves by, by others. The sixth pillar is a heart at peace. God cares about a heart at peace. So we have seen how God gives us his wonderful gift of commandments to the Israelites. Firstly, it is a plan for their success. And secondly, it is in order to establish strong pillars of relationship. Take a look around you and see the pillars that we have up. Six of them. These are the things, if you wonder what God values, these are the things that God values in relationships. Family, marriage, honesty, life, community, a heart at peace. That sounds pretty good. But God wasn't done giving with these gifts. There was still another gift to give. His son, Jesus. Jesus is the perfect gift. He did what no Israelite could do. And that was keep each law. He was absolutely perfect. And without sin. He walked on earth and allowed the invisible God to be seen clearly. His greatest gift was the death, was his death and resurrection. He took all the ways that everyone had been, had broken the law and he forgave them all. Even the worst lawbreakers can be forgiven because Jesus was so perfect that he could step in and take the punishment onto himself. And when there is forgiveness of that magnitude, it is a revolution of the heart. That powerful forgiveness allows us to be close to God, and in turn we see others right side up. As that forgiveness works its way into us, a change happens. There's space to forgive others, 
a place to care and to love. When Jesus is the pillar, when Jesus is the head pillar, deep relationships are possible. We can fall in love with God and we can care for one another. The law is a wonderful gift to the Israelites. But Jesus is the perfect gift to this world.